0: Hello and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation, from academic discussions happening in our journal, to interviews with filmmakers and artists, and global perspectives on health and medicine from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and to the humanities, because life happens
1: at the intersections. Hello, this is Brandi Scalache, Editor-in-Chief of Medical Humanities Journal for the BMJ. We're back today on our podcast because we're going to be talking to Kira Brannock, who is a Senior Lecturer in History at the University of Limerick, Ireland. She's a current Irish Research Council Laureate holder. Her research focuses on Irish social history of medicine and health. And we're happy to have her on today because she's helping to organize the Association for Medical Humanities meeting that's coming up next year in Limerick, Ireland. Welcome, Kira. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited about the upcoming meeting, which I get to attend as well. Um, But before we get talking about that, I was wondering if you could say a little bit about the work that you yourself are doing right now that touches upon medical humanities.
0: Well, I'm currently uh, teaching a module to undergraduate students on the history of medicine in Ireland, and it's a a module that's open to study abroad students. So we get quite an array of students in that classroom, apart from our own history undergraduates. So um, a lovely interdisciplinary space. Uh, We get students of nursing, of life sciences, and uh, students who are aspiring to go on to study uh, medicine at graduate school. Um, both in North America. And actually, we have a graduate education medical program
1: at the university as well. That's fantastic. Now, I know that we talk a lot about the way medical humanities is read in different registers in different spaces. And so one of the things that we fight for a lot is the recognition that the humanities are not icing on the cake, but a really important and integral part of the way we culturally approach practices of health. And so I was wondering, could you say, how do you approach that uh, with these students, some of whom are coming from medical or science and other STEM backgrounds? Well, I think from a pedagogical perspective, it's important. um,
0: I'm a historian at the end of the day, but uh, it's important that uh, students are introduced to the various different uh, uh, theoretical frameworks and uh, theoretical underpinnings that they need in order to be able to write a research-based essay. So I, I adopt a Uh, a scaffolded approach to teaching and learning in my classroom and uh, basically approach my teaching from the perspective of uh, I'm teaching somebody who knows nothing at all about history. And for me, I started out uh, teaching at the University of Otago many years ago. It was my first teaching fellowship and uh, it was an interdisciplinary classroom as well. I had students of law, medicine, humanities, and it was a very invigorating space. And I remember thinking back then, you know, this is the space I want to be in. This is the teaching space I want to be in. Um, But sadly, um, under-resourcing and I think um, crowded curricula, et cetera, has prevented that from happening in Ireland. And um, we have a situation whereby all of our universities are publicly funded, um, where there has been a drastic reduction in um, funding over the last 10 years, um, something like 30%. And this, of course, Makes uh, disciplines like uh, the medical humanities or even the digital humanities quite vulnerable, um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, contracts associated, teaching contracts associated with uh, the medical humanities, tend to be of the precarious kind. And I think that's something that that devalues that um, the medical humanities in many respects. So there's a bit of a a kind of a makeshift um, environment with regards to medical medical humanities, and of course, as well, you have a situation whereby you know medical curricula are uh, are uh, very overcrowded, so uh, there is a fight for space in in lots of uh, respects, and and of course, this feeds into why um, I chose the theme of making space um, as the theme of next year's
1: conference. Yes, that's true, and in fact, let's let's hop in to talk about that a little bit because I think that that's. Um, Really critically interesting, and it's not an approach that I have seen used before, thinking about medical humanities and education, pedagogy and practice in spatial terms. Could you say a little bit more about that theme and what you're hoping to accomplish? Well, I, I suppose the, the main thing is is to draw attention to
0: um, the vast array of uh, various different programs and uh, short modules, etc., that are that are happening um, in Ireland and in the UK and in North America and Canada. Unfortunately, it's a an English um, a language only uh, conference, which is. Uh, you know, uh, out of necessity in some respects, um, but we do try to make it accessible as possible for people from lots of different uh, disciplines and with lots of different approaches um, to the medical humanities. And in fact, the call for papers gave me much pause for thought um, because I had some very interesting queries um, from scholars uh, around the world about, you know, different languages being used in the conference, which is something I think that as an association we need to address. But. the reason I went for the making space um, uh, theme is that I see how it has been done so well elsewhere. And I think that there is a lot to learn about how we can implement um, medical humanities in medical programs and, and and health humanities. And not only just in medical programs, but in nursing programs also, because I think that there is opportunity here for cross fertilization with regards to um you know, developing new research uh, methodologies, I think, both from uh, a teaching perspective and from a research perspective. Um, and uh, we're not availing of it fully. Uh, I think a lot, mm. yeah, a lot of funding agencies are seeking, you know, um, the question is, you know, what's beyond the state of the art in the field? And I, I think what's beyond the state of the art in the field is a greater kind of collaboration and uh, cross fertilization with regards to um, disciplinary methods.
1: Yes. And one of the things that intrigues me is that interdisciplinarity is something that can become a sort of a catchword, a buzzword that universities like to employ, but yet do not always provide space for once you are, in fact, in the university. So they might tell their students that they're very interested in promoting interdisciplinarity among students, and yet there's often not a space for faculty to be interdisciplinary. And there's a lot of expectation that they will you know, toe a certain, um, I almost want to say party line that you're true to your discipline. And so myself being interdisciplinary, I've worked in anthropological fields and history and in literature. um, I see all of those as broadening horizons. And I think that we, to our detriment, shrink those fields into being insular.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a very difficult issue. And uh, and I think it all goes back to, you know, those, the, the structural issues of, you know, each of us being compartmentalised into certain departments. And then how do you get one department policy to speak to another? Um, so there are structural problems there as well as kind of intellectual problems there. You know, I appreciate that some disciplines have to shrink in order to... Um, kind of come into service to other disciplines. But I think that the unequal relationship in the medical humanities is something that needs to be addressed urgently, I think. Um, And the only way that that can happen is through proper resourcing. And sadly, we haven't seen enough of that. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree. And I I do think that conferences are one of the ways that we seek to fill those gaps, uh, particularly because a conference is so open and asks for people to come and communicate and, and in ways that are outside of the, of the university departments, meaning they relax some of those boundaries a little bit, I think. So could you talk a little bit about the structure of the upcoming meeting and also uh, what where we can find, I know we've published the call for papers, I think, on the BMJ Medical Humanities Journal uh, blog, but um, say a bit more about our listeners might be interested in in participating.
0: Well, we've, created a, a very broad call for papers and that was very intentional. We want to draw people from all different disciplines and backgrounds uh, to the meeting. And I think that one of the interesting things about um, bringing the Association of Medical Humanities Conference, it's the second time in Ireland, I might add, uh, Professor Una Walsh, um, uh, hosted at the University College Cork, uh, a couple of years back and um, and I was involved in um, well in assisting in the organization of that with una uh, and it, it was a very vibrant uh, space and what we realized actually in attending AMH conferences myself afterwards is that there, a lot of us are actually doing work in medical humanities. we're probably not realizing that we're in that space. it's kind of an odd thing and you you really do have to be very creative in how you um, advertise a meeting like this. So I've uh, contacted various different listservs in, in in the US and in Canada, and um, and I think as well that there there also needs to be spaces in like um, there's a big emphasis uh, in this conference on. Um, spaces for chatting to one another, because it's on the fringes of every conference that you have the most interesting conversations and the opportunities uh, to create meaningful uh, research collaborations um, and the stuff that funding agencies like to see, these international collaborations that bear fruit. Um, But with regards to the AMH, there's always been a very strong um, uh, medical education strand to it, uh, arts and health strand. And, um, and also, of course, a space for humanities scholars of all hues and um, medical scholars of all hues to come together and to speak about their work in, in this interdisciplinary space. And there will, of course, obviously be a very strong emphasis on, um, on student work and, and, and space for early career scholars to, to come and deliver their papers. And the AMH also provides prizes for students. Um, and that's a very important part of the meeting as is, of course, the, the the keynote speakers. And I think that determines a lot. And of course, Brandy, we're delighted to be able to welcome you to Limerick. New York.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to doing that as well, because the Medical Humanities Journal, since uh, I think it's always been this way, but more particularly in the last couple of years as I've been directing it, we're trying very hard to be a space, a platform for conversation. And that's something that I say a lot about joining the conversation and an open place For early career researchers too, we use the blog particularly this way. So there's times when we're not ready to write a critical research article that's going to make it into a journal like Medical Humanities, but yet we have a lot to say. And So we have these spaces on the blog, which are places where you can try out research, try out essays, give ideas some space, maybe get some response to it and i think that that's really important it's a kind of it's a bit like what happens at a conference with a paper delivery where you're you're getting it out into the world and it's not just living inside your head and so we're trying to make space for that as well um we have an inter- i have an interest in social justice issues and so that is also something that we're trying to push global health social justice access issues at the journal and one of the things that really intrigues me and excites me about this upcoming conference in limerick is this concept of space, because space and access, they go together, is there space for something to exist? Is there access to that space are really key, I think, and medical humanities has an on the ground, practical implications in the world that allow us to see that in real time.
0: Absolutely. And and as I said there a moment ago, uh, Brandy, our three keynote speakers um, are, of course, your very good self, um, Professor Roseanne Kenny from um, Trinity College, Dublin, and Professor Scott Podolsky, who's the Professor of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard. And I think that by virtue of having the three of you involved, um, it's going to attract a particular type of clientele, who, people who feel like, okay, I can learn from these keynote speakers, but also I, I can add to the conversation that they will probably be having. So I'm hoping because Professor Roseanne Kinney is a, a very renowned uh, professor of medical uh, gerontology, um, she is going to uh, speak to her work on um, the Irish Longitudinal Data uh, Study of Aging in Ireland. And um, these are very, very, very big questions that society needs to address Um, over the next 20, 30, 40 years. We have an aging populace in Europe. Um, It's identified by um, the World Health Organization as a space that we, and I think that, Humanities certainly has something to offer with regards to the question of um, of uh, positive ageing, and um, and 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 of course your own research, um, uh, Brandy, and your own um, career, or um, leading you towards social justice. It's going to be amplified also um, in a, a roundtable discussion that we will be having with um, medical journalists and uh, Irish medical journalists and some health activists here in Ireland. We've had a, a couple of scandals of late with regards to um, the cervical check matter here in Ireland where information was kept from uh, women. And unfortunately, some have died. and uh, there were several others who uh, were not informed in time. And, and it's something that I think that the work of medical journalists in particular, because they occupy a space of conveying very critical health information to the general populace. And I, we're going to raise questions about what happens when you uh, keep information from patients and how information is conveyed in the first going down. And um, and, and again, it follows on from the themes that are very naturally emerging and um, I'm also delighted to team up with the Irish War and Music Academy here at the University of Limerick. We have incredibly talented colleagues. <laughs> it's a humbling, award winning musicians, performers at the Irish World Music Academy. And I've thrown it out to the students to think about the the theme of making space. And hopefully when the call for papers is answered by the end of November, we'll have a very rich programme of arts and music at the conference also. And um, with regards to Scott Podolsky, um, Scott is actually going to talk about the Medical Journal and its history as a space for dialogue and as a space for uh, communicating information and for finding community among medical colleagues. And so that will also be very interesting, but I think that it's, it's choosing the right people for your keynotes it can attract a, a very interesting uh, crowd. Um, We also have, uh, we've had a a, a lovely response as well from um, my colleagues in creative writing um, here at the university and award winning novelists and poets. I have an embarrassingly talented uh, colleagues. They've uh, agreed. Donald Ryan, who's a, a multi-award-winning author, and uh, the same for Martin Dyer, have agreed to, um, who's a poet and a writer and a novelist. Um, they've agreed to um, lead creative writing sessions, and, um, and as I mentioned, uh, Dr. Marish Houston, who's uh, an award-winning uh, medical journalist, as well as June Shannon, are going to be contributing to that roundtable, but also they're going to be contributing to the creative writing um, uh, program too. Um, so um, it's great. Great that we have had such a response from um from colleagues um here in the western in the Midwest of Ireland, um, because I think that one of the, the important things about the Association of Medical Humanities, while it is international and interdisciplinary, it also has a very strong sense of this of the place that it's in. So um there's always a very strong cultural programme associated with um, the AMH meetings, and of course, there will be um visits to sites nearby sites we're on the seaboard here in Ireland Uh, so it's uh a and there's lots of very nice um, uh, attractions nearby in terms of um, um, built and natural heritage for our delegates to enjoy. So um, I'm hoping that we have a very strong response from uh, colleagues abroad, and we've had a very uh, welcome support from Vulture Ireland, which is our tourist board, and um, and of course uh, funding from um, various different parts of the University of Limerick, um, including from the uh, Assistant Dean of Research, uh, Dr. Nibnagown, who has. Uh, awarded to very meaningful um, grants for students to participate. In other words, like it, it will be a competition um, uh, for the students who respond to the call for papers, but they will have full funding um, to attend the conference. Um, and that's very important because sometimes conference fees can be um, prohibitive um, for, for, for early career scholars and, um, and it's not as if you finish your PhD and magically have a job. It's uh, I think precarity in academia is one of the the most um, terrible foes we have at the moment because unfortunately um, it means that you you know there, there's a class element to who can stay and who has to leave and um, yeah you have to be able to afford to stay in academia um, and for some people it's just not sustainable and we see I've seen over the last ten years some very fine scholars just unable to continue and. Um, and we, we need more resourcing. We need more resourcing for um for medical humanities and for humanities in general. I think as a, a scholar of humanities, we're always we're a scholars of humanities, you and I. Um, Um, we're always on the back foot with regards to funding, because as you say, it's like the icing on the cake.
1: Kira, tell me again, when will the call for papers close? And uh, if you could just state again for our listeners who may have tuned in late, um, what the full name of the conference is and and when it will be happening.
0: Well, the Association um, for Medical Humanities um, has agreed to um, let Limerick, the University of Limerick in Ireland to uh, host uh, its conference in 2020, and it'll be um, from the 17th to the 19th of June. And uh, at that stage, our students are are gone from campus. So um, the university is uh, very beautiful. Uh, it's on the River Shannon, and we have uh, va- vast amounts of uh, student accommodation. So there's, there's lots of accommodation, reasonable accommodation available in Limerick. Um, we'd love to welcome you there. Uh, it's a nice time of year. Hopefully it won't be raining, but uh, some people come to Ireland for the rain. Um, so uh, the call for papers will close on the 30th of November. And um, we're looking for people to uh, submit abstracts of between 250 and 300 words or keywords and a short biography of about 50 words. And uh, the conference has uh, a website. At, it's um, amh2020ireland.com. Um, and we also have amh2020ireland at gmail.com as the uh, conference um administrative uh, email, but I'm also available, I'm very findable um, at at ul.ie if anybody has any queries. And um, I, I'm especially welcoming um, uh, colleagues or early career colleagues. Um, I think it's very important that they get indoctrinated quite young to this very vibrant space.
1: Yes, I agree too. And thank you so much, Kira Brownock, for joining us today and thank all of you for listening. Please join us again at our monthly podcast and be part of the conversation.
0: Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Stay in touch by reading the journal or our blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We're also on Twitter at medhams underscore BMJ or find us on Facebook.